So the Hornets did a thing, finally. I guess you could call it. We'll talk about that, plus some media day questions we have for Monday, all on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That includes YouTube. So you can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail at Doug Branson, L-O-H. Show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Here we are, September 22nd, a day after the Hornets made their first new acquisition via the free agent market. That's right. Their first you know, I guess if you want to talk about Crutcher and some of these other guys on the E10 contracts, fine. But for all intents and purposes, it's basically their only new acquisition they made. They did the whole bring back Cody Martin thing. They did the whole NBA draft thing with Mark Williams and Bryce McGowan. But the Hornets signed Dennis Smith Jr. to a contract yesterday, Doug. Former Home NC cooking. State. Yeah, baby. Former NC State standout. Had the sick dunk at the end of the game against Duke. Was the last player in the Mark Gottfried era, which eventually led to his demise because of some things going on behind the scenes, which was stupid. But that's the Dennis Smith Jr. we know. Was referenced in a J. Cole song. That was awesome. Shout out. Stay solid, Dennis Smith Jr. Had one of the best tweets of all time, kind of, at 14, 15 years old. That's what I remember about DSJ, Doug. What do you remember and think about DSJ, the newest Charlotte Hornet? A high draft pick by the Dallas Mavericks. It, it didn't seem to work out there, and he gets traded to New York and uh, falls out of the rotation when Tibbs arrives, ends up playing in the G League a little bit, uh, has dealt with a lot of injuries over the course of his career, hasn't played uh, 50 games since 2018-19 season. Uh, a lot of lot of 30 games played. Uh, uh, now a little bit of a journeyman. It went to Detroit, went to Portland, but has shown some flashes in the past couple of years. I've done a little research into you know what Dennis Smith Jr. is and isn't these days. I know he had a reputation, especially early on, for being really good at attacking the rim just not very great once he got there. A little bit of what LaMelo Ball is dealing with now. LaMelo Ball can get to the rim with ease. He just has to improve what he does once he gets there in terms of finishing and scoring. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. seems like over the past couple of years, again, small sample size because of injury, but seems like he has improved that on offense and, and made himself into a, a decently efficient offensive player despite streaky shooting. But defensively, I think, is where this move makes a little bit of sense uh, because he's somebody that has high activity on that end of the floor, very focused offensively, can can pick the opponent's pocket, can get into passing lanes, can turn the other team over, but also can keep guys in front, something that the Hornets struggle to do. So, you know, low-risk maneuver, by the way, unguaranteed yeah. contract reportedly. This is a training camp kind of show-me deal. Can he stay healthy? Is he in shape? All those questions will be answered in training camp. But, but overall, this move honestly makes a little bit of sense to me, Walker. You're, you're right. You're right. And, and you first look at DSJ, you think of him as a journeyman. You think of him as making a few stops here and there really very quickly into his NBA career. It's unfortunate. It, people loved Dennis Smith Jr. coming out of college, man. Like a lot of people really liked what Dallas did, making that selection. I know a lot of people that were high on him. Really athletic, was a really fun college player. 
and it just didn't work out. Some of the injuries and stuff, but also never developed a shot and, and, you know, and what is not a good three point shooter. That's just what it is, but you're right. I think defensively has started to buy in even more so and has that capability and put some rim pressure on the opposition, which is something this team needs, especially in the backcourt, especially if James Booknight isn't going to play, we can explore that a little bit further. But of the options available here, it's interesting, too, that it seemed like it was going to be Kimba Walker or it was going to be Isaiah Thomas as the backup point guard to come aboard this team. I don't know if that puts the kibosh on all of that. I do think that Dennis Smith Jr. is probably the best option out of everyone, you know, especially because of what this team needs, rim pressure, defense. You know, not a solid backcourt right now as far as the depth goes. I don't know how many minutes a game Dennis Smith Jr. is going to get, but there's an opportunity. And Reclamation Project, right? Can Steve Clifford appeal to a 24-year-old still trying to find his way in the NBA after having some real struggles at the beginning part of his career? The, the, it, it's crazy. That high of a draft pick, somebody that thought that highly of him, for him to have four stops I believe before the age of 24 yeah it hasn't worked out but hopefully it does here in Charlotte you know he's played at NC State right he's from Fayetteville if I'm not mistaken that's right um yeah so so Dennis Smith Jr homegrown but also like it fits it it fits some of the things that the team needs there's definitely a theme I wrote about this on every Hornets box score this offseason has a theme and that theme is home cooking uh, Isaiah Whaley, uh, there, there was one other of the training camp signings that was uh, from around the, the Carolinas. and now Charlotte's Den- always flirted with this type of aspect, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I don't – I mean, I don't really understand it. There are players that, that live outside of the Carolinas that this team could look at if, if they wanted to go roster building. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to hold that against Dennis Smith Jr. because I, I think, again, for this team right now – that doesn't know if they're really going to contend or not. Probably they're probably not. They they know that uh, that if they, they may get surprised and and suddenly be in contention close to the trade deadline, then they can go make serious moves. But it's probably not the right time to go and really invest in a backup point guard on a multi year deal right now because you really just don't know what direction this franchise is heading in. So I think the Dennis Smith Jr. contract reclamation project makes sense from that point. But, but when you talk about Dennis Smith as an offensive player and why he's made a couple of stops now, it's because as an offensive player, it's not that he's been okay. It's not that he's had a few problems. It's that he's genuinely hurt teams on the offensive end. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, gonna read, yeah. I'm just going to read from Clean yeah. the Glass here, um, which takes out some garbage stats and different things like that. But in his rookie year, his points per shot attempt was 93.7. That was in the 11th percentile. So you're in the sort of bottom – 20, 25, 50 in the league if you're in the 11th percentile. It shoots up to 43 percentile in his second year, but only 32 games. Again, that sample size is going to drop off for the rest of his career due to injury and falling out of the rotation. Then in his third year in New York, it went back to the 11th percentile, then went to the 4th percentile, then uh, it's raised up to the 22nd and 20th percentile in Detroit and Portland. And again, part of that because – he has improved his ability to attack and finish at the rim, but his three-point percentage, as you mentioned, has stayed in the toilet. And so the big question is, what Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, will the Hornets be getting? Is it someone that's going to be disciplined on the offensive end, knows what he can do and what he can't do, and then and then absolutely attacks the defensive end? Or is it going to be a Dennis Smith Jr. that, that still believes 
that he can be sort of that, uh, you know, top 10 overall pick superstar in the league and, and wants to go out there and try to show that. Yeah, not an not an awful passer. Here, here's what I envision. If we no, want to talk good. about actually good, good, yeah. good um, facilitator, actually, yeah. So, so if you want to talk about the Lamelo aspect of this, Dennis Smith Jr. is somebody that can come in. If you want to play both of those guys in the backcourt together, we talked about keeping guys in front of them. We talked about putting some rim pressure. But if he goes into the paint and Lamelo doesn't have to handle the ball, you actually have somebody that is a decent enough passer on the floor. Lamelo's catch and shoot numbers were awesome last year. I've always, you know, we've talked about it a lot, Doug. Like Lamelo would very much so benefit with another ball handler out there. And if he's got Dennis Smith Jr., I, you know, the the more you think about it, the more you kind of talk yourself into it. I I don't want to get it twisted, right? Because we know what kind of signing this is. It's a non-guaranteed contract for a reason. He's made a few stops for a reason. All of these things are true. But I do like going this route and having him play alongside LaMelo. Now maybe you feel a little more comfortable with somebody in the ba- with the basketball in their hands when LaMelo has to go to the bench because we know Terry Rozier is not a point guard. We know James Booknight should not have been drafted to be a point guard. I don't think they did. I think they wanted him to be that combo guy and envision the future with Booknight and LaMelo possibly pay- playing together. But, but having Dennis Smith Jr. as that ball handler, man, there, there are some things to like. There are some attractive things with him alongside LaMelo. I don't know. But I think it's just going to be good for for another uh, guard to be uh, in this training camp rotation. That's going to push James Booknight. I don't know if you saw this. I don't know if I can get it up on the screen share here in time. Yeah, here we go. So I don't know if you saw this Walker, uh, but the Hornets posting some pictures. Uh, training camp hasn't started, but there are a number of Hornets who are in Charlotte working out, and there's James Booknight next to Lamelo Ball. And book night, I don't see anything on those hands, you know, to indicate that that injury is still lingering or anything. It looks like James book night ready to rock and roll. So it'll be good to have another another guard in there pushing him uh, and and challenging him for minutes. I mean, well, any, any kind of thing like that's going to be helpful. Sorry, yeah, you're talking about basketball stuff, man. That is that a, is that a new leg sleeve that Book Knight has? I don't remember that from last year. Maybe I'm uh, tripping. But. Hey, legs. Oh, the the tattoo. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. Not monitoring that didn't show up on the basketball index play. So I don't know. I'm not monitoring that. Looks cool though. Yeah, no, you're going basketball index. Yeah, what is? I think that's Kobe. I can't even. I'm trying to zoom in. I know you can't see it. I'm zooming in with my eyeballs. I'm looking down at the screen now. There you go. Kobe. Legends never die is what it says next to a face, and that face looks like Kobe. I'm not reporting that. Uh, don't okay. please uh, don't aggregate that. I, I do. I think I'm speculating that that's Kobe on his leg sleeve and it says legends never die. Okay. Um, we'll talk about more media day questions. We'll ask that one for James book night, but coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast, don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We still have those media day questions to get to really. It's just Doug's media questions because he's not going to be here. He uses me as his puppet to try to ask some of the questions because he's in Tennessee. He's going on vacation next week too. So I'm really going to have to be the puppet, and he's just going to have to string me along to do exactly what he wants. But I also cursed a player, and I feel really bad about it. So we're going to get to that in just a moment as well. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the yeah, latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is your 
a continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. That includes the MLB, the MMA, boxing, even golf. And you can head to the website today. You can use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. What player did I curse? We'll talk about it coming up next. Lockdown Hornets. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Unless Mitch has Buzz on his lap and Buzz is sort of Santa vin- style. The, I like it. Oh yeah, or ventriloquist. You know. <laughs> well, let's how how, how much ventri- ventriloquist yeah. are we going? <laughs> I don't think anything, or I don't, I don't want to go that much. Whoa, yeah, I don't want to go with ventriloquist. Let's go. I like the Santa style a little bit more. Either one is creepy. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Media Day happening Monday. I love it too, Doug. Media Day is so fun. Like, it is the start of real basketball things about to happen. You get to talk to everybody. You get to ask all those questions you've been sitting on this offseason. New players coming aboard, usually. Not so much this offseason, but usually new players coming aboard. And maybe there's going to be a little damper on the media day activities because of the Miles Bridges situation. That's not going to be fun to ask about, but everything else will be the basketball stuff. Steve Clifford coming aboard. Hey, what's taking place with Steve? What is the new philosophy? How has he been working with LaMelo and everything else? Um, That stuff is going to be interesting, but I love media day. That's going to be happening Monday and I'll be hosting with WFNZ, by the way. Whoa, so, yeah, okay. going to be fun. Yeah, so well, 10 a.m. Shameless plug. I didn't know yes. we were doing those. When do I get, uh, when do I get a shameless plug? Everyhornetsboxscore.com. Um, yeah. <laughs> when, when do I get to pub? Everyhornetsboxscore.com that you can find on my sub stack if you want to look at that and also my Twitter feed that I tweet out every time I put a show. When do we get to talk about that? We'll get to talk about that later. But WFNZ, be there. We're going to be at the Spectrum Center. We're going to be on the court for Media Day from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We're going to be having all of the different players. Steve Clifford, I'm sure we'll talk to, try to get as many guests as we can. And then afterwards, I'm hoping to get into the press room, be able to be a part of the activities there as well. So that's happening Monday. Um, Before we get to that, though, Doug, I do want to talk about something bad I did. As I've just, you know, explored some different content here and there for the Charlotte Hornets. And I go back to their days of hunting Donovan Mitchell, seeing if they can land a big star, right? It was one of just a few teams that was in on Donovan Mitchell at the end. Charlotte, Washington, we know about New York, and then eventually Cleveland. They were kind of back and forth. Eventually, they got back in, and they landed Donovan Mitchell for that trade package. If they were going after Donovan Mitchell, 25-year-old, young star, Locked up contracts. You don't have to worry about him leaving in free agency. He's not some rental player. You're not trading for some aging superstar. If you were going to do that, then my question is, if a Shea Gilgis Alexander was truly available, as he's been rumored to be, for like kind of a year now, you know, it's been it's been always like kind of out there here and there, but never confirmed It would make sense given OKC's timeline that continues to drag along in their tanking age. Now Chet Holmgren gets hurt, which really sucks. That only prolongs their tanking timeline to the point where a 24-year-old doesn't fit it. it, That's actually crazy. But either way, if they're going to trade SGA, my question is, if you're in on Donovan Mitchell, then why would you not be in 
on Shea Gilgis Alexander. Why, if you want to make that broader, why would you not be in on the next superstar, all-star available that is 25 and contractually locked up? I can't think of a reason why. In fact, SGA, if you look at what he does well, that really complements LaMelo too. Donovan puts rim pressure out there. So does SGA. Shea Gilgis gets to the free throw line all the time. Oh, and he hits 80% of his free throws when he gets there. Shooting dipped a little bit last year, but has proven to be a good three-point shooter in other stretches. And free throw shot, good indicator, takes a high volume. Great in the half court, really crafty, can kick it back out to LaMelo, is a really good facilitator. You know how much I love SGA. If he was available, Doug, I don't understand why the Hornets wouldn't go after him given their pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. Uh, what, is that a question? Do you, what, what's the question? What are, you, what, are you, what are you asking me here? Oh, it's just talking points. I, the question is, would you agree? Like The question is, yes, I'm done with my take. Now, what is your take on the SGA situation? We act like we have my, my take a is you cursed him. My take is years. he's injured now. He's going to miss training camp and then be reevaluated that's, in two weeks. Yes. And I think what was it an MCL tear or something? It was an know. MCL tear. Yes, yeah, that's so the cursing part. My take part. is stop mentioning players that the Hornets could go after <laughs> so that they stay healthy enough where the Hornets, if 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 by some miracle they're able to pull off a deal, and that's really by some miracle. I mean, that's my take is that right. I don't have confidence anymore that this organization is even able to pull off a deal because I don't know that they know what they want and, and how really serious they are about putting another star next to LaMelo Ball. So if they can't get the deal done, then I guess I guess my only option at this point is to hope that they are aware enough to be bad enough to get into possibly some more lottery luck, maybe get into this Weebenyama territory. If they're really not going to make a deal – uh, then, then that's really the only choice that they have because the model for this is Toronto. The model for this is Milwaukee is to get, you know, to, to draft well, uh, to get a, you know, all NBA type talent, and then to go after another star that is in a, in a unique situation contractually, or maybe um, that, that doesn't, it feels disgruntled with their current franchise, gobble that player up, even if you only get that player for a year, and go out and compete and get yourself into franchise relevancy. Because the Hornets are the carpenter bees. They are the bumblebees. They are irrelevant. They are not a threat. And so when you're not a threat, you can't really uh, entice someone in free agency to join your team. So that's my take. My take is, yeah, I would okay. love if they could go out and get an, an SGA, although SGA isn't really like an established star yet. You'd still be taking a little bit of a risk there that SGA, is, his ceiling is, is pretty good, pretty good. You're right, pretty good. But there's a pretty in there, and that's what I'm saying. He's well, not, I mean, we, he's we, not, we not going out and getting Kawhi it. Leonard in a trade. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, you said what? It's not like going out and getting Kawhi Leonard in a trade like Toronto. That that was not pretty good. That was like guaranteed. Well, Kawhi neither Leonard. is Donovan Mitchell. Is my point. Like Donovan, oh, Mitt- well, he's a top twenty player. I mean, I don't know the SGA's top twenty player. But, but Kawhi Leonard, you're talking about like one of the top seventy five right, players. I of told all time. you, quit naming names. At Kawhi Leonard. Well, sorry, Kawhi, you're going to continue to be injured now that now what, that well, how did now that Walker's cursed by, you. By, it's, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm very confused <laughs> about all of this. H- how in the world? Is now it getting flipped against me? Don't get swiggy with it. You put that coffee down. How in the world I'm is it to the point where, <laughs> to the point where I'm trying to get better? I'm trying to go after what is an all-star caliber player that is young that would fit really well alongside Lamelo, and I get blasted for it. But you're singing Donovan Mitchell praises this whole time. Like how? 
Why, why are you against SGA? No, Donovan Mitchell well, and whole, Kawhi Leonard either. Like Kawhi, Donovan, Kawhi may be a top 50 player of all time when it's right. said and done. Like right. Donovan is a top 20, 25 player as it stands right now. But mm -hmm. defensively, he ain't holding a candle to SGA. Like, and that's something that would help with the Hornets. SGA is younger. The contract is basically the same. So it's not like you're taking more of a hit. And it might take less given Sam Presti's not so much of a need for trade or for draft picks right now compared to Danny Ainge. I, why? I don't get it. Like, let's go out. If, if he's available, then th this is my point. Hornets haven't done anything. We want them to do something. We keep poking them with the stick and saying, hey, Carpenter Bees, do something because you, Dennis Smith Jr. is the only new acquisition you've made. If SGA is possibly going to get shut down for the beginning parts of this season, and there might be some gamesmanship here from Sam Presti, who you know really milked SGA's injury last year so they wouldn't win, so they'd get a higher draft pick. Like, There's no way Alexander can go through another year of that. I, I think there's probably some availability, and if there is, then let's go out and get the star that would play really well alongside LaMelo, especially if it didn't take as much to go get him compared to Donovan Mitchell. Now you say star, I don't know. I mean, how many all-star appearances does Shea Gilgis-Alexander have? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> Zero. How many championships does he have? You're right. Oh, he doesn't have know. any. He plays in OKC, so that's no. going to be zero for eternity. Yeah, he doesn't have any championships. You're right. He doesn't have any all-NBA appearances. So I, I thought about getting better, but you're right, Doug. You've talked me off the ledge. I'd rather stay here. And let's not go after is it is it SGA like dislike you're saying you wouldn't go after him is that what you're saying oh well I would say that I would be less willing to part with sort of that godfather package that I was willing to part with on Donovan Mitchell because to me Donovan Mitchell was a sure thing like that's a that's a talent increase that that I thought would almost guarantee them a spot in the legitimate playoffs not the illegitimate playoffs so uh, wow. Yeah, I would be less willing to part with, you know, okay. five draft picks plus young talent for Shea Gilgis Alexander. Not yet. You know, maybe call, call me in a year or two if he's made an all-star game, if he's gotten over this injury and he's okay, then yeah, that's fine. But not now. The in, the, not, after the injury, you curt, not after you hexed him. The, the, the Sam Presti might be doing that. Like, yeah, I'm sure he has an MCL sprain. I, you know. Like already, there is some like side eyeing here. Sam Presti just doing this. Plus, Shake just averaged twenty four points per game on awesome shooting with OKC of all teams. Like, nah, man, Shea Gilgis is awesome just because you don't have an all star appearance in the Western Conference. I'm not saying he's better than Donovan Mitchell, but I'm saying SGA is. He's certainly better defensively. Like, if you care about defense, SGA would be awesome to come over here with the Charlotte Hornets. All right, done talking about. It. You got me mad with the SGA <laughs> stuff. Let's move on. Let's move on to Hornets Media Day coming up next. Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the just yet doug is going to use me as the puppet try to figure out what questions he wants answered because he's going to be at the beach plus he lives in tennessee anyway so he's going to use me as that guy to ask some of his questions once we have media day coming up on monday we'll get down to some of those questions coming up next locked on hornets is locked on hornets i know a lot about the weight room i know a lot a ton about the way i i i don't i don't lift a lot of weights uh but i do kind of stand around the weight room i sort of I kind of, are you using that? Are you, you're good? Okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. And you know, no, I stand around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high socks and the headband on with your hair tied back? Oh yeah, big like white tube socks for sure. Yeah, yeah. headband. Yeah, I've got it all. I've got yeah, big these shows. big he these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. <laughs> I'm just, you know, it's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. 
It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Doug, if you're looking professional, you've got your suit and tie, you're doing work for the Lockdown Hornets podcast, and you also have your notebook coming in to the Hornets press room, ready to ask questions to everybody that comes up to the podium. What are some of the things that you are first looking to ask to try to get some of these really interesting questions and answers out of the way? Yeah, I really tried to tap into my curiosity here, my genuine curiosity. You know, I mean, obvious. there's the obvious things. People are going to obviously ask about this, uh, the, the Miles Bridges uh, continued saga of his felony domestic violence charges, and they're not going to get any good answers to those questions. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be focused on Steve Clifford and LaMelo Ball's relationship. Have they talked? What do they think about each other? I think a lot of people are going to be focused on how Steve Clifford will use LaMelo Ball offensively, but I'm actually more curious about how Steve Clifford envisions using LaMelo Ball defensively. Uh, if you look at his first two seasons, James Borrego uh, really decided to hide LaMelo Ball on defense, did not often put him on the, the point of attack. If you look at B-Ball Index's measure of activity on defense, LaMelo Ball was a low-activity defender. It wasn't moving around a lot and wasn't placed on the, the primary usage player on the other team very often. And so I would be curious if if Steve Clifford envisions continuing that trend or if he sees LaMelo Ball as having the potential to be not only the primary ball handler, but also the person that can guard the, the other team's uh, point of attack, you know, slashing guard. And I would also sort of as a follow-up to that, or maybe the first question before asking that, is to ask Steve Clifford his philosophy on primary ball handlers and high usage players like LaMelo tracks to be like what, how he feels like those players should be used on defense, because we've heard a lot about how James Harden, because he has so much responsibility on offense, often isn't used very heavily on defense. And we like, we clown him for that because it does get foolish at times, but ultimately the strategy is no, we want this guy playing so heavy offense that defensively, we actually need him to, to, to pull back a little bit because if he gave it his all on defense, we wouldn't be able to utilize where the majority of his talents lie. So I'd be interested on Steve Clifford's philosophy on that balance. Yeah, absolutely. Here we are talking about one of the weaker parts of LaMelo's game, and you can get mad at, about that if you want, but nobody's sitting here saying LaMelo's as good at defense as he is offense, so that's something that has to get better. And I would love to see, like here we are saying, Steve Clifford, great defensive teacher, really can, you know, was really able to tutor these guys into doing something well on that end of the floor. Okay, how? And I think Steve Clifford would be great because he's going to be up there for a while. People want to talk to Steve Clifford as much as anybody. And how do you get LaMelo up to speed on that end? And maybe LaMelo can answer some of that as well. But Steve is the guy like that's going to be really interesting to hear from on that on that part of things. And here's a question I have for you, actually. You saying that made me think of this because we've often talked on this show about the the two sort of primary weaknesses or or at least not really weaknesses but just points of development as we track LaMelo Ball's career. We're not really focusing on it. We're just saying he's so good at everything else that these two things stand out as like hey, these are points where he could improve and get into that all NBA territory as his career moves along and those two points are, you know, defensively keeping guys in front because we know he can steal the basketball, we know he can turn the other team over, but just keeping guys in front. And the second thing is 
his ability to finish at the rim. So my question for you, Walker, is which would you rather see if he could only improve one thing this next season? Which of those things would you want to see him improve most? The the rim, uh, finishing at the rim, or uh, being better defensively? Yeah, it's a great question, to be honest with you. I, I think defensively probably has a better team impact. If you want to talk about the way that people view LaMelo Ball, we know that everybody wants to go to the box score and pay attention to that more so. And if LaMelo became a good finisher at the rim, right, really increased his efficiency there, you're talking about that leading to a couple more buckets a game. Maybe if you're averaging 20 a game now, you could get to 24, and that's pretty significant increase. I think if you are talking about LaMelo specifically, the way people view him, if you want to talk about those all-star appearances, that's going to get him more all-star appearances than if he's just better at defense, you know, mm -hmm. like it, it, because defense takes more attention to detail from the viewer, from the an analyst themselves. And that's why I, I'd still go defense because it's a greater team impact. It would be more fun to see him finish a lot better at the rim, right? I, I don't know if maybe you bake in the free throw attempts here with a part of the equation. Maybe that leads to more free throw attempts. We know he's a good free throw shooter, so that would certainly help also. I, I think I would choose defense, though, over that, and it's because I think that probably has a greater impact. At that point, your best offensive player becomes a good defensive player in the backcourt against in, against you know, what is a league full of really good point guards? Yeah, man, I, I think I'd have to go defense just because of the greater impact it has for the Hornets. It's it's a really interesting question because I, I think you're you're right and wrong. And I think you're right because I think Don't tell me the wrong part. Just tell me the right part. Well, I'll tell you, you're right because I think him improving on defense this year, I think would, would engender a lot of love from – Steve Clifford, who who really values balance, it's not again. It's not about Lamelo Ball becoming like a great defender. It's about him becoming mm -hmm. a good defender, uh, or or even a, a slightly you know uh, just slightly better than he was last season. That would at least show some commitment on that end of the floor that that isn't taking all of the the steel risks and, and that kind of thing, and and it would probably have a little bit more team impact. But I think you're wrong in that. I would actually rather see him improve his rim. Uh, rim finishing because I think overall his career development that would be better for him than than improving significantly on the defensive end and honestly this season to me is a wash so I don't think LaMelo like improving his defense even if he were to improve it significantly would like change the trajectory of what this season is so I, I would actually I would it, I, I think it would be better for him overall and the franchise overall if he improved that instead of his defense. Yeah, if you want to go just straight bucket getter, you know, I get it. That's a tough question, though. You know, I'd, I'd like to see him get better at both, obviously. Because to, to improve the defense on this team, I feel like the Hornets have to go out and find someone to put next to him that can help him accomplish that. I don't think mm -hmm. that's all that, – that shouldn't be all if, – if LaMelo is going to be the engine that drives your offense – this is the James Harden argument, and I believe it. The, the engine that drives your offense, if you're going to depend so much on that player, which it looks like the Hornets are, um, then you shouldn't depend on that player also for defense. That's a, To me, that's asking too much. And so, you know, I think the onus is on the organization to go out there and find someone that they can put next to him uh, that, that can it, pull that off. And it's not Terry sure, Rozier. Sure, sure. Some of it falls on him too, though. Like, he's not void of it. And no. LaMelo has to be better on defense. And 
they also have to find some pieces to put alongside him, right? We've talked about the Terry contract. We've talked about that way of thinking, putting those guys together in the backcourt. I absolutely agree with you that they should bring in somebody as a two guard, somebody in the backcourt that can help them defensively. And at the end of the day, if you're telling me, hey, Walker, sorry, you're not going to get better defense from LaMelo this year, but instead you're going to get a lot better finishing at the rim. Cool. Like, you know, that's fine with me. Like, I'll definitely take it. Uh, I And it, it would be more fun, too. Like, I, I am not disregarding that. Like, that would be a lot more fun. You would have more attention on him. And I do think that would get him more like all NBA love. So if that's the case, then yeah, I'd honestly switch my mind. If that was the case, getting more all NBA love and getting more accolades. Um, go ahead. Do, do you want me to throw a few more questions your way? A little rapid fire questions as we, as we wrap things up here. I just Am I playing you... the role of James Booknight, LaMelo, anybody that you're hurling these questions at? Well, no, I'm, well, I'm hurling them at you because you are the vehicle. I'm, I'm just, I'm, th- it's okay. like, I'm, I'm prepping for vacay You know, I'm just throwing the luggage in the car. Pack up the car. Yeah, pack up the car. We're getting ready to go. I need you to take these to Spectrum Center and, and vomit them uh, on the air and, and in the press room. <laughs> so I have, I have a couple more questions for two for two players that I'm particularly curious about as as we go into media day, and that's James Booknight and Gordon Hayward. So for James Booknight, my question is really like, you good? I mean, we saw the picture. It seems like his hand's okay. I'd be curious to know how he did it because we really haven't gotten any reports about how he actually hurt that pinky finger. Um, di- uh, what is it? Di- digitus minimus or whatever, wh- whatever it was. Um, <laughs> I don't think. So I want to know how he heard it. that's a transformer. Yeah, right. I think so. Um, so I want to know how he heard it. Uh, I want to know if he's talked to his new coach, Steve Clifford, what their relationship is like. Does he think he can take Steve Clifford in a fight? You know, street yeah. fighter style. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who would you rather fight? I, I think I'd probably rather fight Borrego, right? Like, I mean, he's Steve Clifford seems like he's got some nasty to him a little bit. He's bigger. He's also older, though. So it's it's tough. I'm not going to take a position on that. Um, but I, <laughs> Wait, I'm curi- that <laughs> Did I, I just know. Do I'm not bad? a fighter. Okay. I don't I've never fought anyone in my life. So I don't oh, know I'm not I either. That's why I want the easiest option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I don't well, I, I, I would not fight anyone. I would avoid you. Look, this this face is too beautiful to be punctured, to be wounded. Um, so I'm not I'm not going to. I'm not Mine's gonna do not. Anything there. So. Also, I have long hair, so I feel like that's a disadvantage in a fight. I mean, you can pull it. You know, I've I really, I've kind of put myself at a disadvantage there. Okay, so that's James Book. My questions now, Gordon Hayward. My question would be like, on the court, what does he feel like his role is going to be? Because you know he's not going to answer any questions about about the the Miles Bridges situation. But but certainly, if if he feels like that he's got to take more of a role, more of a responsibility than he did last season, especially on the offensive end, that would indicate something. Uh, But also I'm curious, you know, we've gotten these sort of insinuations or report, not really reports, but just insinuations that Gordon Hayward is not a leader off the court. So I would love someone to challenge him a little bit on that and ask him if he feels like that's a fair evaluation of, of his, of of how he uh, you know comports himself in the locker room if he's just like no I'm here to do my job and when I do my job then I go home and that's it or if he feels like no that's actually unfair like I talk to young players I do you know I'd be curious to see how he feels about that sort of evaluation of who he is yeah just how vocal of a leader are you you know do you lead by example do you lead with you know by saying hey you know everybody get their bleep together you know I yeah that's a good question I would uh 
it'd be interesting because Gordon Hayward has taken a lot of criticism in that area this offseason. So, uh, yeah, I would like to hear from from Gordon Hayward on that as well. Do you have some more for anybody like LaMelo? You know, do you want to what, what questions you have for LaMelo? You've talked about LaMelo via asking Steve Clifford a question. What would you ask the star of this team? I'm just more curious, like if LaMelo is going to loosen up a little bit with the media because I think he it's not that he's been necessarily standoffish but I think it's bordered on that he he has not uh you know he he's somebody that's been surrounded by his own media environment for a long time you know via these reality shows that he's been a part of as part of the ball family um but his interactions with with the media uh, haven't been terribly lively or informative. He keeps a lot of stuff pretty close to the vest. Uh, mm -hmm. his, his, the excitement that we get from the mellow ball happens when he picks up the basketball and um, you know, when he's being paid to do what he does. So I think that's all fair, but I, but I'd love to see as he, you know, moves into superstardom uh, that, that he's a little bit more fun with the media. So I, I would like that to be the case. We'll see. Um, but you know, I, I think if I'm curious about anything, although I don't, again, I don't expect like a great answer to this, but he's made an all-star game. So I would be curious to, from his perspective, what he feels like he needs to do to move into all NBA territory, which is really the question is, how do you go from star to superstar? Like where, where, where does he view that, you know, gap? How close mm -hmm. is he? To, how close does he feel like he is to that superstar level? And and what does he need to do? Because look, he's you know again, ESPN, CBS has him in the 40s to mid 40s. And whether you think that's fair or unfair, that is the national media perspective on where he is in terms of his you know star superstardom. So how does he feel like he can close that gap this season and beyond? Um, we do have a trade that was just reported by Woj about or Sh Shams put something out there 22 minutes ago. Woj has a little bit more details on it, but the tweet is that the Detroit Pistons are finalizing a trade to acquire Boyan Bogdanovich from the Utah Jazz in exchange for Kelly Olynyk and Saban Lee. So Kelly Olynyk, Boyan Bogdanovich, the names to mention there. Um, the only interesting part about that from a Hornets perspective is we kind of talked about this via Jay Crowder. He'd be a nice fit with the Hornets. Didn't necessarily understand how that trade would happen, though. I think both of us kind of thought, I, I don't see the path to making that happen. But early reports were that maybe Jay Crowder would go to Utah. Phoenix would try to get Boyan Bogdanovich. But now he's going to Detroit. And the other part that affects the Hornets is the fact that Bogdanovich going to the Pistons is going to help them win basketball games. And Detroit, having done what they've done, building through the draft, having Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, going after Jalen Duran. Now they have a veteran and a really nice shooter in Bogdanovich. Doug, like this is another franchise now that has improved over the offseason. And they're over under. It was still listed under the Hornets 36 and a half total. But you can't sit here and say Detroit didn't get better to the point where they might be flirting with Charlotte's record this year. Like, it's just another team to at least keep an eye on as you get deeper into the season. Yeah, we're always keeping an eye on Detroit. Uh, Detroit is totally, I believe, yes. they're Give in me a the group take. with yes. Sacramento, with New York. I mean, Detroit's always, we're always like, oh, Detroit, sneak, sneak contention. No, like, get out of here, boy on by. I'm glad the Hornets didn't make okay. this kind of move. This kind of move would not make any sense to me from it's a Hornets true. perspective, because you the the Don that that's the thing. It's it's recognizing, you know, if if I'm going to give the organization any credit, it is understanding that what what it takes to move from not in contention to contention. Uh, Donovan Mitchell would have done that. 
Uh, I would criticize them for not going hard enough to make that happen. But getting a Bogdanovich would be, a, to me, a silly move in this season. Yeah. You've got to look at a couple of years from now from doing that. We didn't mention, by the way, speaking of Detroit, in our conversation around Dennis Smith Jr., if that is, if they if they go that route and guarantee the contract, it does end all of the Kimball Walker speculation. Kimball Walker's still a member of the Detroit Pistons. They have not, it seems like, they are going to keep him under contract. So that, that possibility goes out the window. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hope that I was not getting it twisted to the point where I wanted the Hornets to trade for Bogdanovich. <laughs> I just was saying Detroit getting better, and it's a team now where this is just yeah, we'll see another one. Yeah, I know Him how much and Shea you love Gilders Detroit. Alexander, show me. That's what yeah, I want to see Shea, before I believe. Shea, please, no championships, no All Star appearances. You know, SGA, please. Shame on here. you, Walker, for cursing him. And now you've yep. cursed the Detroit Pistons. They're going to finish last in the East now. I'm about to curse you out as soon as the show ends is what I'm about to do. <laughs> Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen every day. For your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every single day with Locked on NBA. Locked on NBA, your daily NBA update again in just half an hour. And by the way, they're still doing the NBA top 50 most valuable players. So if you wanted to go back, maybe check out some older episodes from this week. They started that discussion September 19th, LaMelo Ball having been ranked Number 29. So Locked On actually gave him more credit than the ESPN Top 100 rankings and the CBS Top 100 rankings. I had a little blurb about that, like a minute-long segment, and then they were able to comment after that. So if you want to go check that out, please do a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you later this week, and we're going to get you prime more for Media Day right here, Locked On Hornets. 